Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, November 18th, 2019, and today we are continuing our study on the Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman, and we will be joined by Dr. Rick Morton, our Vice President of Engagement, as he leads us through Chapter 7 on Supervision from Robert Coleman's Master Plan of Evangelism. All right, welcome again to the Defender Bible Study. This is Rick Morton, and uh, we're this morning we're going to be looking at Chapter 7 of the Master Plan of Evangelism. Um, really where we're going to focus this morning is on Mark chapter 9 and a story that we find there. But the, the chapter um, that Coleman writes in, or in chapter 7 is about supervision. And so we're going to take a look at um, Jesus and his pattern of supervision um, with, his, with his followers. And so um, <clears throat> this... Uh, the passage that we're going to look at is um, Mark chapter 7, uh, beginning in verse 14. Um, and we won't take time to read the passage this morning because it's uh, rather lengthy. But, uh, but just remember that Jesus is, um, is actually at this point um, with his followers right after the, um, the time of the, uh, the transfiguration. And, uh, and at this point, um, Jesus is, um, is summoned or, or, or asked um, to, uh, as he enters into Bethany, to come to uh, the house of a man whose son has an unclean spirit um, and to heal him. And, and sort of the, the, the scene that Jesus walks into here is that he's taken Peter, James, and John up the mountain with him to um, to to witness the transfiguration and to be with him uh, there. And um, but he left nine of the disciples behind, and they've been trying to uh, cast out this evil spirit. And if you remember from last week, this is um, this is after the events of Matthew chapter ten and. Uh, where where Jesus gave the disciples gave the apostles his uh, the authority to to cast out demons and to to heal in his name and so um, and, and so what what Jesus walks back into is he finds uh, the the nine disciples that are left there um, <clears throat> arguing with um, with the Pharisees. And so the disciples have, have at this point tried to heal the boy and, and they failed. And the Pharisees are taunting them because they haven't been able to, to heal the boy. And so um, you, you see the scene of these, the followers of Jesus who have been commissioned, have been given authority and been given responsibility for him to, from him to um, declare that the kingdom of God is at hand and to, to, to do these acts that evidence the fact that the kingdom of God is at hand, um, that they're, they're kind of under the pressure of this crowd at this point because they've not been able to do what it is that, that Jesus um, gave them the ability to do. 
And so uh, upon seeing Jesus, the boy's father basically appeals to, to Jesus. And he says, um, he, he says at, at this point that, um, you know, that, that he, um, that he needs help. It says, and um, Jesus asked in verse 16, what are you arguing about? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you for he is, has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams, um, he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I ask your disciples to cast it out. Uh, and they were not able. And then Jesus answered, he says, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And, uh, and so Jesus, and again, I, I think we take this and understand that this is, this is not a rebuke that Jesus is making. It's really more of a, more of a statement of, of sadness or lament over the fact that, um, that, that, that they're not picking up, they're not, they're not learning from Jesus, um, and and that they're they're repeating the same mistake of trying to rely on themselves. And it says, it says, and they brought the boy to him, and when when the spirit saw him, talking about Jesus, it immediately convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming in the mouth. Uh, and Jesus asked the father, "How long has this been happening to him?" And, and he said, from childhood, and, and it has often cast him into the fire and into water uh, to destroy him. But if you, but, and this is the key phrase here, the, the father says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Um, and I think it's it's noteworthy for us to, to pay attention here that the the father, because of the inability of Jesus' followers, um, it, it caused the, the father to question the ability of Jesus. And, and right, that's something that's always a danger uh, for us. When we, when we step out to minister in the name of Jesus, but we step out without the power of Jesus, without the, the authority that's given to us by Christ, when we step out in our own flesh to try to serve um, we, we always place ourselves in a position where we're going to cause people um, to doubt Jesus because, right, we, we are unable to, um, to perform. We are unable um, to serve in the ways that we need to be able to perform and serve in, in order to, to do the work that the Lord has given us without, without Jesus' presence. Um, and so Jesus steps into the situation and ultimately he puts the, the focus back in its proper place. He puts, he puts the focus back on faith in him because he says, um, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father cried out and, and, and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Um, if there's ever a declaration in the New Testament that I can identify, it's that one. I believe, help my unbelief. Um, this father just truly declaring the fact that he, he is, that he wants to believe, that he is leaning in and he is attempting to believe, but that he's acknowledging his frailty and acknowledging that, that he too um, suffers from, um, from the tendency to, to act on his own and, and to not believe. Um, and, and so then ultimately um, it says that, Immediate, uh, then 
Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. After crying out and convulsing terribly, it came out. The boy was like a corpse, and most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This is the ki- this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Why, why couldn't the demons cast out, or why couldn't the disciples cast out the demon? Uh, ultimately, it was prayerlessness. Um, and, and I think there's a, a great reminder here for us that, that in the absence of Jesus' presence, these nine disciples were, they were prayerless. They, they didn't continue to stay connected to God um, through the Spirit by practicing um, spiritual disciplines and, and by doing what they needed to do in order to be able to con- commune with the Father. Um, they, were, they were lazy because they were used to having the presence of Jesus there all the time, and so they didn't continue to cultivate that when, when Jesus wasn't there with them immediately to, to supervise the work. And, and what, we, what we see from that is a great reminder for us that, that, um, it, that it's necessary for us to, um, to continue in the spiritual disciplines of study the Scripture and, and, and prayer and, um, and, and, and meeting and studying the Scriptures in community um, in order for us to stay connected to Christ so that we might work on Jesus' behalf. So there are there are really kind of four or five actually five leadership lessons that I think we can discern um, that are that are great for us to remember in in how we disciple people and in how we lead others um, out of the example of Jesus. And so I'm going to run them down really quickly. Um, number one, we have to give uh, we must give opportunities to serve. And so Jesus created this opportunity by taking uh, Peter, James, and John away and leaving the other nine apostles um, on their own to serve out of what. Um, out of what they knew that, that they were to do. And, and we have to be willing to do that as well, to, to give those who, who are following us, to give those who were discipling opportunities um, to be able to, um, to act out and to act on the things that, that we've taught them um, and, and to, to serve Jesus um, in, 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 in tangible ways. Um, number two, though, we need to limit the scope of those opportunities. Jesus knew that he was only going away for uh, for a bit, and and so he created a situation where they wouldn't be left too long. And so if things went wrong, that he was going to be there um, to be able to come alongside them and to be able to help and and to be able to encourage them and to be able to teach them. Um, and number three, I think this is a this is something that we see with our with our kids, um, and and it's that we we need to give independence progressively. Um, you know, if we look back and reflect on Matthew chapter ten, um, in contrast to Mark chapter nine, what we see is that in Matthew chapter ten, Jesus gives these really specific instructions about how um, how the disciples are supposed to go about proclaiming the kingdom of God, and and what they're to do and how they're to conduct themselves as as they heal people and as um, as they uh, cast out demons and as they do all these things that Jesus has commissioned them to be able to do. 
at a point, um, Jesus sort of lets the reins go a little bit, and he gives them a, a degree of independence to be able to apply that, right? That's like what we do with our with our kids. We, in order that they won't be living in our basement when they're 40, um, we, we begin to give them um, and loosen the reins a little bit and give them progressively more independence. But we do that where there's always still uh, a bit of a safety net where we're still there um, to be able to um, to help them and to guard them within boundaries. And that's precisely what Jesus is doing for the disciples here. He's, he's, he's letting them kind of field test their faith, but, but, he's, but they're doing it within kind of some defined boundaries. We can learn a lot from that in, in the church. Um, number four, we have to be close enough to help or to coach or to correct um, those that we're discipling. And, and so Jesus, again, was was close enough by. He hadn't left them for long enough or wasn't at a at a far enough distance. And, and what he does is he both comes in and and takes up the situation and and helps. But but he also coaches his disciples. Why? Because he doesn't want them to remain prayerless. He doesn't want them to remain in the place where they are. Um, and, and we need to see this not as a rebuke of Jesus, but ultimately as Jesus coaching them toward um, toward the fullness of understanding that they're going to need in order to be able to um, proclaim the proclaim the kingdom of God. And, and then finally, number five, the principle we see here is that we must debrief and we must we must build upon and so, um, you know, Jesus ultimately um, answers their question by, by telling them that this particular spirit could only be driven out by prayer. And so he, he takes time not just to do the act of, of fixing the thing that they weren't able to do well, but he explains to them so that they can learn and, and move forward. And, and I think hopefully if we apply these five lessons um, to our own leadership, to our own discipleship um, of of others, then then we will help to make effective followers of Jesus um, and by our efforts. Um, hope you've enjoyed today's Bible study, uh, and we're always thankful to have the opportunity to be able to meet with you uh, through this podcast. And so I'm Rick Morton. Um, thankful you're here, um, and and we uh, we ask you to pray for us here at Lifeline this week as we seek to um, serve Jesus in in ways that are that are pleasing and profitable for His kingdom. Well, thanks for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. This week, we are praying for the country of Ethiopia. We're praying for the country and its leaders as they reevaluate adoption laws and inter-country adoption as a whole. We're praying for our unadopted opportunities in the country of Ethiopia. We're continuing to pray for the waiting children in Ethiopia that are available for adoption, although adoption doesn't exist. We pray for their health, their safety, and most importantly, their hearts. We pray for families who were once in the Ethiopia process as they continue to pray through the next steps for their family as they have been called to adoption. And we pray for families in the post-adoption phase, families that have brought home children from Ethiopia, that the Lord would continue to guide them and lead them and direct them. And we praise the Lord for families who are still committed to Ethiopia and the, the children who were there, the vulnerable children, the orphans that are there, even after the closure of intercountry adoption, and specifically for partners who we are working with to continue to care for the children who are still in Ethiopia that are orphaned and that need someone to come and care for them. So let's pray. 
Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to serve you in a country like Ethiopia. Lord, we pray for the country and its leaders as they just lead the country in general, as they lead the country uh, into the right laws and the right places and and diplomatically where they need to be. We pray for them as they reevaluate adoption laws and inter-country adoption, and even as they look for what's best for their children. We pray for our unadopted opportunities in the country of Ethiopia and our church partners that are there and pray that you would just give us wisdom as we continue to see where you would lead us and guide us and direct us in the country of Ethiopia. We pray for all of those children in Ethiopia that, that, that are vulnerable, that are orphaned, they're living in institutions. We pray for their health and their safety and most importantly, their hearts. We ask that you would equip our brothers and sisters in Ethiopia to take the gospel to bear to these children and that they would, they would truly Uh, wrap around these children with their lives. We pray for the families who were once in the process that are looking for the next steps. And we pray for families that brought children home from Ethiopia in the post-adoption phase that you would just wrap around them, give them grace, and Lord, help them to reach out when they are in times of trouble. And Lord, we just thank you so much. There are so many men, women, boys, and girls who love you and are committed to the country of Ethiopia. And Lord, we just ask that you would direct them, that you would direct us, and Father, that ultimately we would still care for and visit the children in Ethiopia the way you've commanded us through James 127. Lord, we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.